0: Hello and welcome to Arts Talk Radio. I'm Michael Hasted. We bring you interviews as well as news and reviews relating to all aspects of the arts in Holland, concentrating on events in Amsterdam, The Hague, Rotterdam and everything in between or nearby. Arts Talk Radio Online. Interviews and features on the arts in English. Today we're in Delft at the Vermeer Centre, talking to Luke van Riet about the town's most famous son. And we have a brand new song from Toronto-based singer, songwriter and multimedia artist Ronnie Tapper. But we start with a report from Zoe Baus about a rather unusual exhibition in The Hague.
1: Today I have the pleasure of welcoming back Wendy Fossen from Casa del Arte on Arts Talk Radio. Welcome Wendy. Lovely Thank to you. have you with us again. Now we've just been talking about a new exhibition at the Maurits house here in The Hague, and it's in English it's called Fleeting Sense in Colour. And it really is quite a unique and interesting approach to art. What is the key word here? Smell.
2: <laughs> <laughs> in Absolutely. in in all its <laughs>
1: Varieties, that's the key word here. And it's not something we really think about if we think about the visual arts, is it?
2: No, definitely not. But it's it's quite a, an interesting approach that uh, even though uh, when you're looking at paintings, um, you can still experience smell. If you have, you know, uh, a big enough imagination, uh, then it's quite possible to uh, to actually smell as well when you're in front of these paintings. But mm. the question is whether these paintings were also made to experience
1: you with, use, that, with that idea. Yeah, I mean, smell is a forgotten sense, I think, and it's strange because it's a very powerful sense. We know that it's an, it's incredibly strong and has a very strong emotional impact, and yet. I think we've tr- been trained almost to put it aside or, kind of or ignore, ignore it, yeah. and particularly, I have to be honest. If I'm looking at a painting, that's perhaps one of the last things that I think about is smell. Exactly. So, yeah. so how does this exhibition work? How has it been designed to try to help us reacquaint ourselves with this forgotten sense?
2: Well, it's it's just how you are. Um, uh, how how you 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 are looking at the painting i mean normally when you go on a visit a museum visit you you do not realize that a painting can also appeal to to your smell or to your to feeling sense of, uh, touch. sense of touch so it's just you know visually appealing because you look at it and then you know that's it uh, and that's one of the things I always try to do with my uh, visitors and my tours that especially in, in front of food still lies, uh we were talking about the lemon I mean you see the lemon you notice the lemon but that's about it uh, until somebody points it out to you and then you all of a sudden get this sense of you know sourness in your the mouth and your, y- mouth. Y- your mouth and you your kind of your saliva yes. starts producing just by simply seeing the lemon and talking about it and i always try to you know, point that out in order for um, um, people to realize how incredibly realistic these paintings were, mm. and whether they were actually intended to cite that or to 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 summon up that that sense, I do not know. But that's the interesting part of this exhibition because that's what we're trying mm. to do now.
1: Now, if obviously not everyone has the privilege of having somebody to to help. Um, you know, highlight the, the other senses for them or to draw their attention to these things. But now this particular exhibition, they've actually produced, um, there's a little pedal that you can push and a, an actual dry scent is then released. Yeah. One that is attached in some way to the painting. To the painting which the look so yeah. So this is sort of a, for those people who need a little extra push, maybe yeah. their imagination's a little bit rusty.
2: Yeah, and, and it... it kind of invites you to the next time when you go to a museum and you see something which is related to smell, and I mean, not just the flowers, or the because the the, the exhibition starts with paintings about the five senses, so this is actually about your senses. Um, so that's the first thing that is being pointed out. But, you know, imagine you, you're standing in front of a painting, um, a, a very clean, polished, house you know the floors are are shining are reflecting the lights because it's so clean you see these two women they're opening a cupboard and you see all this linen stacked up you already now get you know the idea of what you see but you can also imagine that there's a smell you know coming a fresh clean smell, linen smell it's something that you can uh, experience by just using your imagination but that particular painting is also in the exhibition and with this foot pedal you can actually you know summon up this 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 you know recall this smell Mm. next to it is a beautiful painting of a cityscape you see all these beautiful houses you see this canal you see the church uh in in the background you can see some people do going about their business and when we look at this as 21st century viewers, we see just the beauty of this cityscape. We do not think about how horrendous this smell was of the canals, because the city of Amsterdam and all the other cities where they have canals, they have worked their butts off in order to get this water clean. So we do not have that same experience looking as, at this particular painting, even though when you look at the details, you see that there's a lot of smelly business going about because you see like, that there's this, this, toilet, little toilet... Public toilet. Public toilet (laughs) building hanging over the canal. Uh, And you see this man... with a with a broom uh removing all the 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 horse horse and and stuff into the canal and next to it you see this lady doing her laundry in the canal so it also shows you that this particular lady doing her laundry her laundry will never smell the same way as the ladies on the painting experienced next to it when opening this particular cupboard so it is all about, you know, trying to get closer to 17th century art by appealing also to our other senses, in this case, smell.
1: So there, there is a historical element as well, uh, because as you said, this particular exhibition focuses on Dutch and Flemish um, paintings from this, this period. Yeah, from the 17th century. Uh, so I think, as you said even if we are thinking about smell as a 21st century person, you may not be thinking about smell in quite the same way. And this is where this exhibition can be very informative as well.
2: Exactly, exactly. So it's it's also the, the connotations uh, that we have, you know, with smell is different, um, even though, you know, smell today is something that you experience only in times of danger, for instance, you know, I, I left the, the 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 fire on mm. uh on in your on your stove or uh that you smell that somebody's burning his his wood oven or uh, a wood burner yes, whatever that you smell or a barbecue smell, which is quite you know nice. yeah that's quite nice but you also have uh especially in the 17th century smell was something which also uh, hints to danger so there's a a, a, a a subheading in the exhibition which is about smell and hygiene and and the medical part of it, because we ha also, of course, we have the anatomy lesson mm. of, of Rembrandt in our house. But I, to be honest, there are so many things to tell about this particular painting that I never point out the fact that this must smell incredibly in real life. Mm. That, But that is something that People in the 17th century would know. They would have known. They would have and known. it would
1: have been an overpowering and probably quite overwhelming exactly. aspect of all yeah.
2: of that. And we have another anatomy lesson on loan um, uh, in that in this exhibition. And um, there you see that they actually, that all these doctors who are gathered around this dead body um, are actually using uh, herbs and uh, incense. A, a, incense and a, a little ball that we call pomander, uh, which contains all these fragrance in order for you not to you know Go out flat immediately because Pass of the smell. The you, you, exactly, <laughs> and then not to forget that people in those days the hygiene was you know non-existent. So people smelled, and or at least in our idea they would smell. But I just wonder whether they whether you notice because you know when you work in manure every day you probably in the end will not you smell it anymore. Exactly, it's, it's you go used, you grow used to
1: to the scent. So. But now you also mentioned, Wendy, that there are different uh, categories within this exhibition and they're focusing on different aspects. So I'm assuming there's some, they'll be focusing on some sort of positive pleasant smells and those that are perhaps less because yeah. you also mentioned to me this was obviously the time of course of the spice trade mm-hmm. and there would have been all these exotic smelling spices coming in yeah. and I would imagine that would have been a bit more uh, more pleasant.
2: Yeah, well it's it's something that that, um, that is explained also by two objects, one painting and one uh, a very very nice object which is like a, um, a spice container in the shape of a ship uh, which is Dated before the um, the um, uh, East Indies Company was uh, um, started, uh, so around 1600, so slightly a couple of years before they started uh, the the East Indies trade, um, and um, uh, it it shows how very expensive these spices were because there's this silver ship on a on a on a pedestal or on a foot you Mm. know standing on the standard um and it's very very expensive but the painting next to it is about 100 years later and then you see like a grocery store where you can just buy your 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 spices all Mm. the different types of spices and again when you're standing in front of that particular painting um especially when you're a bit older and used to uh, um, like your your drug stores from before or at apothecaries, mm. um, that you have this kind of smell. So when you're standing in front of this shop, you actually think about you know your youth probably uh, and thinking about all these different smells. So it's it's very. Entertaining, I would say. It's 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 still interesting in an art historical, from an art historical point of view. But it's also, um, you know, you try to get into the seventeenth century mind. It's
1: a, it's a different pathway. It is. Mm-hmm. This yeah. Is fascinating. It's certainly is something I would I would be interested to to visit. So this is now opened at the Maurits House, yeah. um, Wendy, and we hope that in the not too distant future. We'll be able to Go and to see it. take a take a whiff. Yeah, take a whiff. Yeah. <laughs> Not only see, but experience and smell it as well. Yeah. Okay. All right, Wendy Fossen from Casa del Arte, thank you so much for talking to us today on Arts Talk Radio. You're welcome.
2: Arts Talk Radio online.
0: That was Zoe Baus talking to Wendy Fossen about fleeting sense in colour, the current exhibition at the Maritz House in The Hague. Just over a year ago, before the first lockdown, we met Ronnie Tepper, who was playing a gig in The Hague. We liked her music very much, and therefore we are very pleased to be able to play her brand new track, a song called Big Black Clouds.
3: Running nowhere around to burn so big black clouds wash away it seems so clear Find a better way.
0: That was Ronnie Tepper and her band, The Lip Liners, with their recently released Big Black Clouds.
3: Folks, if you're looking for a great, great publication, Arts Talk magazine. They talk about the arts and it is so great, bigly, it's the only news that is not
0: fake. I'm in Delft, and Delft, as you will well know, is famous for two things. One is the famous blue and white pottery, and the other is that it's the birthplace and the place of work for Johannes Vermeer, the famous painter. And I'm in the Vermeer Centre in Delft, and I'm with Luc van Riet, who is going to tell us all about it. Now, this is, um, it's not called a museum, because it doesn't have any original works of art, does it?
4: Yeah, that's correct. We are called an information centre, Vermeer Information Centre in Delft. And uh, yeah, this, this, this centre is actually founded because we have no original paintings in Delft. And we have actually nothing in Delft. Even the houses where you lived are disappeared. So about uh, ten years ago, uh, some people had the intention, let's do something. And it ended here in this center where we have, that is the main, it's the core of it. Uh, There we have uh, all the known paintings
0: of Vermeer, here in reproduction. But the interesting thing is, although they're reproduction, and there are how many? 37. Because there's some contention over that, because some people say there are 34 Vermeer paintings, some people say 30. Anyway, the 37 pictures you've got here, they are reproductions, but they're actual size, and they're in chronological order, which is very interesting to see, because you can't see that anywhere else.
4: Yeah, that is, that's also the reason why we have regularly people from televisions everywhere from the world. If they want to make a program about Vermeer, they can here film all the paintings together uh, without traveling. Yeah, The scattered paintings over the world, You should not do that anymore. You do it here, mm-hmm. and on the movie, on the film, you don't see the difference between an original and a an reproduction.
0: Of course. So the building itself is, what well, is it's an old guild building, isn't it, from yeah. the 17th century? Yeah, it's the guild builder, so-called the Saint Luke guild and in Dutch the St. Lukasgilde
4: and uh, that is the, the guild special for artistic professions like potters, like painters, like uh, graphical printers, engravers and glass makers.
3: Mm.
0: Because not an enormous amount is known about Vermeer is there? Um, we, we know where he was born but we don't, we're actually sure which house he was born in?
4: Yeah, we are now really sure that the, we know the spot. The house is not there anymore. Mm-hmm. There's another house. And uh, where he lived, uh, yeah, he lived as a young, as a kid, is gone. And the house where he lived uh, with his family and where he produced the majority of his works
0: is gone as well. But um, all his work was, was, was based in, in Delft. And I think a lot of the interiors were done in his own house. So that you see a lot of the same furniture yeah. and the same paintings and everything else. But one of his most famous paintings, which is called Little Street... Which is the front of a house, and you can see a woman working in the doorway, and another one working down a side alley. There was a big argument about where the actual location for that was, or whether it was a fictitious house.
4: In the due of the years, there are about ten different theories, and the most recent one is from Professor Grijzenhout, and he, well, he, he, he announced that it was in a street called the Voldersgracht. And uh, yeah, it is okay to me, but uh, I said there are so many different theories that I would
0: say make your choice. The museum itself consists of what? We're, we're now on the ground floor, which is a, a cafe and a shop. And the shop has lots of books and postcards and uh, seems to be that the girl with the pearl earring is the most predominant picture. And you can buy reproductions of that on anything from a plate to a bicycle bell. Yeah. That's right, that's right. <laughs> it,
4: is, uh, it is also chosen some years ago as the most yeah, interesting, the most beautiful painting ever
0: produced in the Netherlands. This painting was chosen. And it's also in the Netherlands, at the Mauritshuis it, in The Hague? It is still in The, the Hague in the Mauritshuis Museum, indeed, okay. yes. OK, let's go upstairs. Right, we're now on the first floor, which is a big room, and there's a, a, a nice table which shows, I think, uh, Vermeer's techniques.
4: It is uh, actually a uh, second intention of the center. It's not only showing the painters we have here uh, from Premier, but we also would like to introduce some yeah, techniques and uh, problems to be solved, problems yeah, for the painters to make good paintings. And what we see here is an impression of uh, the, the
0: paint itself. So there are, there are jars of, of, of pigment, powdered pigment, and um, lots of information about the various because I, I think Vermeer actually used a lot of paint which was relatively expensive and difficult to come by.
4: Uh, yeah, the so-called uh, lapis lazuli, that is what Vermeer int- intensively used, but it was possible uh, for him because his mother-in-law was a very wealthy lady. So Vermeer used a lot of, uh, yeah, Lapis Lazuli or Ultramarine is an other name. And uh, we have here also little pieces of that. But he used some more uh, pigments and we have there a list of the ten Pigments he he obviously used in his works.
0: Because in those days, artists wouldn't go down to the local art shop and buy a tube of paint, they had to make it themselves from scratch with the oils and the various pigments.
4: We have the pigments here as an example in little little pots, and
0: we have here also an example of the most common uh, binder that is linseed oil. Right, and here we have a lesson in, in art, and this is um, all about perspective and how perspective works. The
4: perspective area indeed. You show there in the corner where you see the camera obscura, which was actually an invention, actually more or less in the Renaissance period. And in uh, the time of Vermeer, this thing was well known, even in a carryable version. And the advantage is of that, that camera is that you can see how something in three dimensions will be translated into two dimensions.
0: Because um, painters, art in, in those days, was very much a craft. It was like a silversmith or a goldsmith or a butcher or a baker. It was yeah, very much a trade yeah, rather than yeah. what we would describe now as an artist. No, no, no. It's
4: like just uh, yeah, hard-working people, labourers. Uh, so, and, and they yeah. used
0: tools, I mean, yeah, like, like the camera to get... It's the camera
4: It's the first painting where he obviously used the technique of pin and thread. And uh, that means that at a point in the painting or outside the painting, where the lines, the perspective lines, come together in the disappearance point, it was then the first practice to put a pin on that spot and a wire. Mm -hmm. And you can put some chalk or carbon on the wire. And with that, you can also prepare the correct uh, position of lines Mm -hmm. in the painting. And there we have a screen where we can explain a little bit more about
0: the effect of color. And because he, he actually did co- compared with somebody like Rembrandt, his colours were really quite bright. It's bright, uh, the light was bright because Rembrandt wasn't a yeah the
4: clair obscur uh, artist. Uh, say low key and high key. are the differences you can compare Rembrandt and Vermeer. Mm. Where Rembrandt is the, uh, the the low key and Vermeer is the high
0: key painter. Oh, there's, there's oh, I see. Oh, in the corner here, there's a little like a little film set really, in a little corner of a room which is a, a Vermeer room and you can actually sit here and have your picture taken in a Vermeer Vermeer room do a selfie hmm. do you, you provide costumes as well? <laughs> no, no, no <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a sort of square on the floor, about two yeah. metres square and everything fits into that and there's a chair which is half in and half out of the, the set but it's been cut in half so it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't leave the set of black and white tiled floor yeah. right, onward Good Right, we're now on the second floor, the top floor, and this is where all the pictures are, all the reproductions of Vermeer's paintings. And each painting has got quite a large section to itself, which is, uh, and it concentrates on the detail and explains the detail and the context of the detail and the domestic items. Um, So these paintings, although you have all the reproductions here and they're all... Chronological and the correct size, which is interesting to see. They really are spread around the world, and I think yeah. there are f- almost fewer in, in, in the Netherlands and in, in America. I think yeah. America, a lot in America.
4: America, thir- thirteen. Netherlands, seven. Germany, six. Uh, UK, only two. Uh, Ireland, one. Uh, Austria, one. France too. Sounds like the football results. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. What we see here is actually uh, more specific because we want our intention to be an information center. Yeah. It was very remarkable that not, not only Vermeer but all the p- artists, even also uh, writers or, uh, or play writers, they used symbols to give more information. And the remarkable thing that Vermeer is that all his additional information is in relation to love. And, and erotic and that is what we expose here and we have here explained the number of those symbols here and you can see them right there.
0: there's a whole wall here about so 15 or 20 little pictures each with symbol there's a little sort of um, there's a bowl of fruit and there's a hand um, playing a keyboard and the lady doing what's she doing down there drinking wine drinking wine and a woman sleeping resting her head on her hands and a double bass
4: orange cheeks, so he drunk too much yeah. This is a prostitution scene. The guy is already uh, starting the job by by <laughs> touching the breasts of the lady and on the other hand he's paying her. And all those symbols have a meaning. Here we see a, a painting on the, on the background and that is a, a ship in troubles at sea which is very often used as a metaphoric symbol of the marriage.
0: There, as you say, the most of the paintings um, include or portraits of of women. Do we know who many of these women are? No, no, do not know because we don't
4: actually, Vermeer is an unknown person. When he died, too young, too early, he, when he died, uh, his wife immediately became in a bankruptcy position and all the material they have is sold, gone. And the paintings were yeah, spread over after 20 years later, spread over because one owner had the half the total production of Vermeer in his position. But when the guy died, his, his whole collection, 21 Vermeer paintings, were sold on an action in Amsterdam in, in 1696. Hmm. And then, then the, yeah the
0: view on the paintings is lost. Because I think he was, in his day, he was quite well-known. He wasn't as famous as Rembrandt, but he was quite well-known. And then after his death, I think he was more or less forgotten for 200 he was, years. He was not too, too known, actually. He no. was not too, too well-known. But he wasn't unknown, whereas for 200
4: oh, and, years and he was yeah. totally forgotten. He was forgotten, and uh, he was actually in an accident. A French, yeah, a French guy, a French specialist, who came in the house and he saw the painting View on Delft. And he was so extremely um, yeah, surprised about that and the quality. He started to write about it in France. And he influenced the French writer Marcel Proust. And Marcel Proust uh, began with an enormous yeah, uh, uh, quantity of works, but he, he started to introduce people who did study Vermeer. And they have also very interesting stories. And he has then also produced the so-called Le petit Petit jaune dans le un mur, yeah, mur jaune. And it is a very well-known uh, yeah, um, fact, and French people visiting his centre are asking, where is that? Where is the Petit Pant? Where is the Petit Pant?
0: But the, the, the incredible thing about that little yellow wall is in the painting, it is really right off to one side, to the right hand side, and, and very, very small and insignificant. Now, there are three alternatives, but
4: you can, you can also dis- dispute about it, but you have three light spots in the painting. Mm. And uh, yeah, I, I leave it. It's up to you what you like to but do. But
0: this, this is the one, the few uh, sort of landscapes which Vermeer painted. Vermeer, and it's quite a long painting, it, which it is a is view a, over the water to the city. To the, to the city. But yeah, if you call it a landscape, it, I would say it is more a sta- townscape actually. Yeah, but I mean it rather than domestic or portrait.
4: Only two. The little street and this one is painted yeah.
0: outside, and the rest is all
4: an mm. internal.
0: But well, even the the little street, which is a close up of the exterior of a house, and you can see what's going on inside. Yeah, so yeah. Um, the view of Delft is is actually quite unique. Yeah,
4: yeah, that is right.
0: Right, we're now on our way down to the lower ground floor, to the basement, which is a bit darker and more like an art gallery than upstairs. And, oh, it's a huge room, and this is where all the reproductions are. And they're lined up in chronological order, in the same size, and they're, wow. So it's very impressive to see them like this
4: it is indeed we have him here in chronological order and the remarkable thing is that you you start looking to the young Vermeer the younger paintings he is still in his process of becoming a master in painting you see he used big big paintings and the 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 the, the, the subjects are mostly religious or mythological
0: but they're not they're not so big i think the big i mean that's this no, the no. first one is about a meter square and there's one a couple here which are about a meter and a half by a meter and a half
4: if you, look more around, you see that the paintings slowly become smaller, 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 Um, and that is a technique which was also developed typically in the Netherlands, uh, and it's called fine painting, fine schilder is the name, and it has to do with the fact that in the past, big paintings, big were for churches and and monasteries, uh, religious uh, clients, but in the 17th century, it was here, the majority was Protestant. So there was no Catholic uh, Church. It was even forbidden to be Catholic. So the, the art of painting ging, introduced themselves much more and oriented them much more on private uh, buyers in the house and then you have better smaller paintings because the houses were not too big as a church or so big as, an, as a, a convent. And even rich people would like to have as much as possible paintings on one wall because that, that reflects yeah, wealth see it, uh, and intelligence. So you see for instance the famous milkmaid who is here is a very small
0: painting. Very small indeed, it's about what 40 by 35 or something. Okay, let's work, move around a little bit further
4: this is an example here where you can see that Vermeer did not control the technique of the the, the wire and the pin
0: the perspective yeah very no perspective on the floor
4: it's not good the perspective and there you see the first painting where he used it and they have found it with um x-ray or infrared um, techniques they could show that on this spot was indeed a little pinhole the music it's lesson music lesson yeah and the names, the Dutch names for the paintings, they are derived from the from the auction in Amsterdam. Uh, because we even did not know the names. No, no,
0: so there was no information, Vermeer didn't actually put any information if on the back of the pictures, no date or no.
4: No diary, no letters, nothing. Yeah. That is very interesting for
0: writers, because a writer can, yeah. You can make it up. <laughs> yeah,
4: can I make it out? <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah.
0: And nobody can contradict him. Yeah,
4: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So there's an awful lot to see, a lot of interesting things. If you're interested in Dutch art, if you're interested in the Golden Age, if you're interested in Delft, or if you're interested specifically in Vermeer, there's an awful lot here. Uh, the only thing that's missing is the actual originals. Well, Luke, thanks very much indeed for that. Uh, most enlightening, and I would recommend that everybody in Delft or who visits Delft comes to the Vermeer Centre because it's well worth a visit. So that's all for now. Thanks very much, Luke van Wiet. Okay.
2: It's a pleasure to be here. Arts Talk Radio Online. Features on the arts in English.
0: Well, that's all for now. We'll be back soon with more items about the arts in Holland. We'll have another piece from Zoe and Wendy, who will be at the Kunstmuseum in The Hague. And we'll have another short story from Delft based writer Atta Burkhard. So, until then, stay safe. I'm Michael Hastid. Goodbye.